Welcome back to the Schoolyard Sports Podcast. I'm this podcast, Lane Frank, we're now in episode 157. It's for 157 episodes through. I now got action-packed episode planned for you. We're going to recap the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs win back-to-back Super Bowls. You know we're breaking that down. Great week of college basketball we had. MLB spring training starts this month. NBA trade deadline just happened, and we're into All-Star weekend. Going to give you some mid-season NBA awards and so much more. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode 157. Let's hop into it. Let's start off episode 157, how we always do with the headlines and NBA. First thing I want to report on NBA, the trade deadline. Trade deadline just finished in the NBA. Wasn't much to report on because I think most of the big trades that happened this year in the NBA happened before the trade deadline. For example, the James Harden trade that happened within the first month of the NBA season. The RJ Barrett trade, which happened in December. The Pascal Siakam trade, which went from Raptors to the Pacers. So not many two big deals went down the trade deadline. Now Knicks, they got some improvement. They got Bohan Bogdanovich. Great pickup for them. But they've yet to win a game since trade deadline. You know I'm a Knicks fan. A little bit upset to see that. But NBA trade deadline wrapping up. We got All-Star Weekend coming up. Going to give you my NBA midseason war predictions coming up later on in this episode 157. For the NFL, Super Bowl weekend is over. And our NFL 2023-2024 season is over. No more Squared Sports NFL game day. No more NFL. We're full on NFL draft mode coming up for the rest of these next few months. NFL offseason. But no more games in the NFL, sadly. What a game that was. Chiefs, we're going to break it down later. Super Bowl champions, everybody. But that wasn't the only thing in the NFL last week. The Super Bowl was not the only thing. We had the NFL honors show. Get some awards out there. Lamar Jackson wins his second MVP. Christian McCaffrey wins his second Offensive Player of the Year. Kevin Stefanski wins his second Coach of the Year. Texans, they sweep the Rookie of the Year award. They get Offensive Rookie of the Year, C.S. Stroud. They get Defensive Rookie of the Year, Will Anderson. Want to bring this up right here. Last year, Jets, they also swept the Rookie of the Year awards. They got Sauce Gardner on defense, Garrett Wilson on offense. So a little interesting thing right there. If you want to have a great draft, want to have a great future, get two first-round picks. It's going to work out for you. So the Texans did, so the Jets did. Really worked out for both of them, in my opinion. Miles Garrett also won. Defense Player of the Year, his first of his career. Smart to MLB, we have baseball going on this month, everybody. Last year, I picked the Rangers to win the World Series when it came playoff time. Now, we're going to pick a new champion coming up later this month. Spring training, gang third. Get ready for an action-packed MLB season. Still more to come, episode 157. Now, take of the week. This week's Take of the Week, it's a fiery one, and I want to see your guys' reaction to this. I got a lot of reactions in the Squared Sports Instagram when I posted this. Go follow that, at Squared Sports, making daily posts, content, and updates. The question was, is it harder to win back-to-back champions in college sports or professional sports? Now, the first thing that comes to mind when you think of professional sports back-to-back, you think of the 2022 Kansas City Chiefs and the 2023 Kansas City Chiefs. What a great two seasons they've had. They're a dynasty now. They won back-to-back championships. When you think of college, back-to-back now champions, maybe think of Florida basketball, their 2006 to 2007 run. Or maybe think of, let's go with Georgia football, 2021 season, 2022 season. Great two seasons they had right there. But is it harder to go back-to-back in college or professional sports? Now, my take is that's way harder to go back-to-back in college sports. When you think about it, in the NFL, 
Chiefs could lose Chris Jones this offseason. They could lose Travis Kelsey this offseason. They could lose a few other guys this offseason, and they would still be Super Bowl contenders because they have Patrick Mahomes for the rest of his career. The rest of his career. Never college football. My Michigan Wolverines, they just won the national championship. And you think about it, no head coach, no quarterback, no starting running back returning, nobody from the receiving room returning, your second best tight end not returning, most of your offensive line not returning, most of your defensive staff is not returning, most of your offensive staff is not returning. So they're not going to go back to back. It's a whole rebuild in college because maybe you're losing staff, promotions can happen, and also you're losing players because they're on a four-year run at most four years pretty much, and then they go out from there. So it's definitely harder to build a dynasty in college sports than in pro sports. But also, when you think about it, get those wins in college. They can build off that. But still, with college sports, you can be an amazing college football team. Georgia, for example, they were potentially the best team in college football this year, but since they slipped up in one game, there goes your season. In the NFL, you have 16, actually 17 games to prepare for that. The Kansas City Chiefs, they had so many road bumps this year. They lose to the Raiders on Christmas. They have a horrible five-game stretch. They lose to the Bills, Raiders, the other teams, Broncos. They had a horrible stretch. If you have a horrible stretch in college football, college basketball, that's it for your season. That is it. A lot more stuff they have to do in college sports to win a championship, to go back-to-back to win a championship than you do in pro sports. That's my take. Leave your thoughts on that in the comments. Take of the week. Is it harder to go back-to-back in college? or professional, leave your answer in the comments. Now, top five. This week's top five is, and we've done it every time we've had the Super Bowl, week after the Super Bowl, on the show, four years of squared sports. Now in season four, the top five key moments that won the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl. Everybody did it last year, did it this year, did it the year before that, and the year before that, we're done with the Buccaneers, Rams, and now the Chiefs twice. Let's hop into it. Second time with the Kansas City Chiefs. The top five key moments that won Kansas City their third Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid era. Number five, the play calling. Defense and offense. Steve Spagnuolo, great play calling on defense. And for Andy Reid on offense, did a good enough job to get them this win. Five, the play calling. Four, and this is a big one right here. Bend, don't break. What I mean by that is Instead of just giving up a touchdown and a really good drive, maybe they only give up a field goal. Or maybe it looked like it was going to be a great drive and they forced that fumble, like that Christian McCaffrey fumble they did right there. There were so many drives in this game where you say, oh, San Francisco, they're going to run it down their throat, they're going to pass it down their throat, and they're going to get a touchdown in this drive. But at some point in that drive where they're rolling, they have three straight first downs, Kansas City would force a fourth and 13 situation, third and 13 situation. They had great defense, bend, don't break. That's number four for me right there. Number three, Kyle Shanahan being an absolutely atrocious second half Super Bowl and overtime play caller. Two Super Bowls have ever gone to overtime. This year and 2017 Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons offense coordinator that year, Kyle Shanahan blows a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan blows a 10-0 lead in Super Bowl 54, blows a 10-0 lead in Super Bowl 58. Kyle Shanahan not knowing. I mean, I think he knew the overtime rules. Actually, I'm going to refrain on that statement. He said he knew the overtime rules. He just went to the ball third. That's AKA. So that's basically him saying, I didn't know the rules. I just said that right there to make up for it. I definitely should have called defense first. When you think of college football overtime, you're always calling defense first. With the new playoff overtime rules in the NFL, you always go defense first. Now in the regular season, you always go offense because touchdowns game over. But in playoffs, both teams get a shot at the ball. You want to be with the ball last. Go on defense first. They didn't do that. Kyle Shanahan, number three. Number two, Andy Reid, the mastermind. I know I talked about his play calling a little bit. 
But the way he can rally his team around, make them stay calm, get them this win. He's an elite coach, elite play caller, elite motivator. What a team guy Andy Reid has been. Number two, Andy Reid building up this Chiefs dynasty. And number one, Patrick Mahomes. Not just Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes legs everybody. He made those plays on fourth down. He made those plays on third down. Goes with the Andy Reid play calling. Maybe they run a few RPOs. He's ready for it. He's either going to give it out to the guy in the flat, because that's wide open, or he's going to take off and run for it, because that's wide open too. Patrick Mahomes, this season, the past few seasons, really hasn't scrambled that much. He scrambled so well in the Super Bowl, and I really think that's what got them the win. Scrambled so well, did a great job. Patrick Mahomes, the best improviser this game has ever seen. Lamar Jackson can be good on the run scrambler, but he's not as great as an improviser as Patrick Mahomes. That's number one for me. Patrick Mahomes, the clutch gene he has, number one. Five key reasons. The Chiefs won this year's Super Bowl right there. Number one, Mahomes and his legs. Mahomes, his decisions to improvise. What's your top five reason the Chiefs won this Super Bowl? Leave your thoughts in the comments. Now, did you know this week's day, you know, it's a great one. Did you know Ichiro Suzuki, maybe one of the greatest hitters of all time, greatest mariner of all time, in his 10th career at bat, he got his third career hit, getting him to 300 for his rookie season. From that point, from his 10th at bat in his career, his average never dipped under 300 ever again. Elite legend of the game, Ichiro Suzuki. That's about what did you know this week. Now let me put on my GM hat right here. Let's hop into it. My first... NFL Mock Draft 1.0 post-Super Bowl edition. If you know me, I love Mock Drafts. One of my favorite episodes to do is the Mock Draft Special. We do the full 32-pick Mock Draft the day of the NFL Draft. See that? Coming up April. But right now, I'm going to give you my top five picks of this NFL Mock Draft. Let's hop into it. A lot of things are going to happen from now until April. But here's my top five. With the first pick in the 2024 NFL Draft, I think the Bears will trade down to number two with the Washington Commanders. And with that number one pick, the Washington Commanders will select Caleb Williams out of U.S. here, buddy. Caleb Williams is from the DMV. It works perfectly. Gets to play in D.C. with the Commanders. They need franchise quarterback. Caleb Williams doesn't want to go to the Bears. Bears might want to keep on Justin Fields, maybe get him a great receiver or tight end. They hold on. Justin Fields trade down to number two, get a massive haul, and they end up with Caleb Williams, the Washington Commanders, at pick number one. Now, pick number two, here's where I have the Chicago Bears. I have another trade right here for the Chicago Bears. A little bit wacky because it's in division, but the Chicago Bears trade down from pick two to pick 11 with the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings hop up to number two. And with that second overall pick, the Minnesota Vikings select Drake May out of North Carolina. Kirk Cousins is not under contract. Justin Jefferson does not want to play with Kirk Cousins for the rest of his career. There's rumors about them going after Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's not winning a Super Bowl. I love Sam Darnold, but he's not winning a Super Bowl. Someone raw, someone great like Drake May can win you a Super Bowl. It'd be a perfect fit. They get a massive haul. Bears go down to 11. Vikings go number two, and they select North Carolina quarterback Drake May. So I've got Caleb number one to the Commanders. May number two to the Vikings. Number three, New England Patriots. Last trade I've got right here for you. New England Patriots, they don't need that number three pick. They got a lot of other issues outside of quarterback. So with that number three overall pick, they trade down with that pick 11 that the Bears just got. Bears jump up back into the top three, grab that number three pick. I know this might be a little confusing for you, but with that number three overall pick, before Arizona Cardinals at number four, they might want Marvin Harrison Jr. The Bears swipe Marvin Harrison Jr. at pick number three, trade down from one to two. 
2 to 11, and then they go from 11 to 3. Might seem like a math problem if you're right there. I know it'd be confusing, but try to put in the simplest terms. They get Marvin Harrison Jr. at number 3. They get Justin Fields, Marvin Harrison Jr., and DJ Moore for a great next few years. That's going to work out perfectly, in my opinion. That's what Justin Fields needs. That's my pick, number 3. Number 4, Arizona Cardinals. They're upset about not getting Marvin Harrison Jr., but there's still an elite edge rusher, who I think can be one of the best players in the NFL one day, and that's Dallas Turner out of Alabama. Watch the film, watch the tape, watch any Alabama game. He has a large presence. Can be the next Landerson Jr. or better. That's my pick number four. Cardinals get Dallas Turner. And pick number five, the Los Angeles Chargers and Jim Harbaugh select Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia. This team needs some more weapons on the offense. I know Harbaugh loves a guy like Bowers. He's a Harbaugh type of guy. That's my pick number five. That's my NFL mock draft. Leave your thoughts in the comments. Now, it's NBA All-Star Weekend coming up, everybody. You know what that means? It's time for our NBA Mid-Season Awards. Let's hop into it. The first award I'm giving out right here, who has been the most surprising team and who has been the most surprising player? What I mean by surprising, that doesn't mean you're necessarily a great team or a great player. You could be one of the worst players or maybe a great player who's having a bad season now, maybe a great team having a bad season now, such as Golden State Warriors, they're not having a great season, but also a bad team having a good season, such as, let's go with Minnesota Timberwolves. But the most surprising team in the NBA this year, to me, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. The way they started the season, the way things were going, Dov Mitchell wasn't playing great, they weren't meshing well, and now they're one of the best teams in the NBA, two seed in the Eastern Conference. They were on an amazing winning streak. Without a doubt, the most surprising team in the NBA, Cleveland Cavaliers, and the most surprising player in the NBA, and it breaks my heart to say this, it's Klay Thompson. The way Klay Thompson has transformed from being an elite star of the game to being a washed-up scrub, and I'm not mincing my words right there, tough to say, really tough to say. Klay Thompson's fall from grace is in full effect now. It's about for the most surprising team and player. Let's move on to who's the rookie of the year. This one's not close. I love Chad Holmgren, but it's Victor Wemanyama. Victor Wemanyama is elite. 10 blocks that night in a triple-double. He's going to get quadruple-double one day. I have no doubt that in my mind. Maybe a quintuple-double. He can get 10 steals. He can get 10 blocks, 10 assists, 20 points, 10 rebounds, whatever it might be for you. He's an elite force. He's been playing like the best defense player in the NBA. It's only his rookie season. Victor Wemanyama is the rookie of the year. Who's been the best coach this year? I'm going to go with Chris Finch, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Every time you think this Timberwolves team is going to fall apart, they're going to lose that one seed, they grab back onto it. Chris Finch has been a great coach. He's the best coach in the NBA. Not Doc Rivers, can't even find a win. Chris Finch in the Minnesota Timberwolves, best coach in the NBA. Who's the defensive player of the year? Defense player of the year, my guy from the New York Knicks, OG Anobi. Now, he doesn't have the stats to prove it, but you watch OG Anobi from defense. He gives up almost no points a night. He's playing great every possession, getting those steals, playing the Tom Thibodeau way of basketball. Defense player of the year, OG Anobi. What a great pickup that has been for the New York Knicks. Who's MVP so far? Would have gone with Joel Embiid if there wasn't that new rule. Would have maybe gone with Shai Gilders Alexander if this guy hadn't been popping off, been playing great as of late. Luka Doncic, some of the most, I think, second in the NBA for assists right now, nine points per game, and second in the NBA for points per game with 35 points per game. He's playing out of his mind. Luka Doncic, elite NBA player. He's my MVP for the season. Finally gets an MVP. So far, Luka Doncic, my midseason NBA MVP. Now, who do I see making the NBA Finals midseason right now? Two teams I'm going to go with, the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Clippers. Clippers, 
Best team in the Western Conference. They're playing great so far. Not the one seed, but they can grab that one seed. I think they're half a game out right now. But James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, it's fun. It's great basketball to watch. And for the Celtics, Joe Mazzulla has these guys ready to go. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they know how to play great together. They're doing that. Drew Holiday has been a great addition to this team. And Eric White, the most underrated guy in the NBA. That's about for my NBA midseason awards. And who I see winning that matchup between the Celtics and the Clippers. Have to go with the Los Angeles Clippers, everybody. Hate to say it, but the Boston Celtics the San Francisco 49ers of the NBA. Great team. Can't get a win in the championship game. That's the Boston Celtics and the Clippers. Paul George deserves a ring. Kawhi Leonard deserves another ring. And James Harden deserves a ring, everybody. Along with Tyron Lue, getting another one. Clippers, best team in the NBA. They're my NBA midseason pick to win the NBA Finals. Leave your thoughts in the comments. That's my NBA midseason award show. All right, now I want to go back to something that I've always talked about in the show, and I've been a very heavy hitter on the subject, NIL, name, image, and likeness. Now, you're probably sick of hearing me talk about it now, but it needs to be talked about the way NIL is still corrupting sports, college sports. Now, it can be great for some reasons. It's great when Caleb Williams gets a deal from Beats, but it's not great when Jaden Rashada gets offered $10 million to play for Florida from the Florida Collective, which is basically just Dan Mullen, or not Dan Mullen, Billy Napier, whoever it might be, calling up the top booster to give him $10 million to give to a recruit. That's not the right way of NIL. For a player to make it off their own name, like Caleb Williams with Beats, that's great to me right there. But that's not the point of this subject. The point of this subject was, before NIL became a thing, think about it, you want to play for the guy who played in the NBA. You want to play for the guy who played in the NFL. Look at Jawan Howard. Great guy, played in the NBA, his first year at Michigan, almost gets Josh Christopher, top player in the country, almost gets Isaiah Todd, he actually signed Isaiah Todd, but then backs out, and he had a great team because these guys want to play for the former NBA player. Same thing for Mike Woodson, gets hired by Indiana, you want to play for the guy who has the NBA experience, who knows how to play, rather than maybe playing for a Mark Few or a Matt Painter, no dish to those guys, but I'm just saying, probably more fun, probably better for your development to play for a guy who also played the same position as you, not Matt Painter, who I don't think made it past High school basketball. No shade right there, though. That's what I'm saying right here for NIL. But the way NIL has corrupted all this is that there's no incentive anymore to playing for a Juwan Howard, to playing for a Mike Woodson. And I'm going to say this right here, and it's going to be a bit of a hot take. Soon to come, there will be no more incentive to playing for Deion Sanders. No more incentive. Because that Colorado NIL money is going to die out soon. They're not the richest program in college football. Texas with Steve Sarkeesian, they're going to give a player more. Alabama with Kalen DeBoer, they're going to give a player more. Ohio State with Ryan Day, they're definitely going to give a player more than Boulder, Colorado can offer. That's all I'm going to say right there. There is no more incentive to playing for a former player, to playing for a guy who's played the sport before. Penny Hardaway, he was on NIL before NIL. I'm telling you this right here. Guys are going to play for Penny Hardaway. Maybe he was giving them a little bit under the table type of money, whatever it might have been. But he was also a former player, so it was incentivizing to go play for him. Not Penny Hardaway. His teams, they're not filled five-star recruits. He actually went out there and got some good guys in the transfer portal, such as Javon Quinterly. But for Jawan Howard and Mike Woodson, their fall from grace in the coaching game has been absolutely massive. Indiana was a great team last year. Now they're terrible. Michigan was a great team last year, and they're losing by 32 points to Indiana right now. Juwan Howard, his first year at Michigan, gets them to the top five in his first month as the head coach. His second year, he gets them to Elite Eight, their top two, all season long. His third year, gets them to the Sweet 16. Last year, rough season. And now this year, they're complete domination. Just absolutely horrible of a team. Demolition. It's not good. Why? NIL. That's my take right there on NIL. 
No more incentive to playing for a former player. No more incentive to playing for a guy who's been in the NBA, been in the NFL, maybe even MLB if you're going with college baseball. It's my take right there. NIL spotlight over with. Now, Kansas City Chiefs have built a dynasty. Three championships in the past six years. Conference championship game every single year in those six years. So what does it take? What is the Super Bowl championship winning recipe the Kansas City Chiefs have? And how can another team replicate that? Let me talk to you about right here. Before Patrick Mahomes was drafted to the Kansas City Chiefs, they were making the playoffs every single year. But Alex Smith wasn't getting it done. So they said at one point, okay... It's not the time for Alex Smith. Let's ride out one more year with him. We're not going to draft a quarterback this year. We're not going to panic. Let's see what happens because we have a great team. And then they saw, okay, we're not going anywhere with Alex Smith. Let's draft a quarterback. Let's get the right guy. Patrick Mahomes was that right guy. They could have got somebody like Deshaun Watson, like Mitch Trubisky, who could have been more of a day one, ready to go type of guy. But they said, okay, we got a serviceable guy and Alex Smith. Let's go big. Let's get that project. Let's get Pat Mahomes to be the guy. Alex Smith gets one more year, does decently well, but loses in the playoffs. So then they get Pat Mahomes in there. And what has he done? Six straight conference championship games. And when you think about it right here, if you have a great team, you draft a quarterback then, championship recipe. Now, no shade to Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning was drafted to the worst team in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts, and it took him years to build this team into a contender. He had a rough rookie season, had a rough few seasons. What I compare Peyton Manning's early career to is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert... Made the playoffs his third year in the NFL. Should have made it his second year. Didn't make it his first year. And then kind of fell into a rough patch, missing the playoffs. Same thing happened with Peyton Manning. And people were wondering, is this guy really the next coming of Joe Montana? Next coming of Steve Young, where he's going to win those championships? People were doubting that for a while. And now Peyton Manning has his championships, but it's not the type of career that Brady had, the type of career that Mahomes is going to have. For Brady, he was a part of a great team, part of Drew Bledsoe. Now, I know it wasn't their plan to have Brady as Drew Bledsoe's successor, but it just worked out that way. They were a great team, and when Brady stepped in there, all they needed was the quarterback. Brock Purdy, all they needed for the Niners was a quarterback. Brock Purdy steps in there, and I think Brock Purdy played fine in the Super Bowl. Did his job all season long. Only five career losses for Brock Purdy. I don't doubt Brock Purdy's ability to win a Super Bowl. I think he can do it one day. I know he will do it. He will win a Super Bowl one day. But that's getting off track. So you want a guy like that. You want someone who maybe is a project. Not the worst thing in the world. So when I say Caleb Williams is going to go to the Washington Commanders, that might be a bit of a dumpster fire right there. Because they were a great team, they had a great defense, and they were a quarterback away. Now they sold their defense, they sold Montez Sweat, they sold Chase Young, and all they're left with now is Terry McLaurin. So the championship recipe, the Super Bowl recipe, according to me, get a great team, get a serviceable guy at quarterback, and then one day go for that big hit, get that project quarterback, make him sit for a year or two, Jordan Love with the Packers. It's worked out for them. Mahomes, it worked out for him. Peyton Manning wasn't that project. He was that day one guy and struggled for a little bit. Trevor Lawrence, are we seeing that same thing with him right now? Trevor Lawrence didn't get the opportunity that Mahomes had. Justin Herbert didn't get the opportunity that Mahomes had. They didn't have the same opportunity as Mahomes and Brady and Purdy. Maybe they can build off that. Not championship recipe, in my opinion. These are great years for guys like Lawrence and Herbert who are definitely capable of winning Super Bowls. They just don't have the sports staff around them that Mahomes has, that Purdy has, that Brady had. That's my take right there. And also, one more thing for the Super Bowl recipe. Get a winning, relatable head coach, a guy who's been to a championship game before, Andy Reid. Do you really want the guy like Bill Belichick, for example? I get why Bill Belichick didn't get hired this offseason. Players don't relate to him anymore. He's not the guy where you could say, hey, Bill, what's up? Good morning. 
Andy Reid, you say, oh, he's super nice. For Bill Belichick, no. Maybe another guy, let's talk about another Super Bowl head coach, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, super relatable NFL head coach. Andy Reid, get yourself a winning head coach. Don't have ownership step in the way. That's the main thing Kansas City Chiefs do. They don't have ownership step in the way. Dallas Cowboys, take a page. The Chiefs recipe for winning Super Bowls. It's about for out the buzz this week. Leave your thoughts in the comments. Now, the best for last question today. It's All-Star Weekend, everybody. That means the dunk contest will go on. My favorite event of All-Star Weekend. So my question to you is, what is the greatest dunk contest of all time? Everybody's going to say 2016, Zach Levine versus Aaron Gordon. I'm going to take a flip on that page. I'm going to go 2020, Derrick Jones Jr. versus Aaron Gordon. That's a better dunk contest. In my opinion, the 2016 dunk contest was before my time. But 2020 dunk contest, I remember that vividly. What a great dunk contest that one was Aaron Gordon robbed I don't know but that's my answer right there what is the greatest dunk contest of all time my answer 2020 dunk contest leave your thoughts in the comments that's about for question day this week that's about for squared sports and lane freak episode 157 thank you for tuning in follow squared sports on instagram at squared sports follow squared sports on twitter at squared sport don't forget to subscribe rate interview the best sports content in the game we'll be back here next week episode 158 stay tuned